Blog Talk Radio. Hey, hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Best Life Cafe. My name is Kathy Anello, author of the book Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter, and host of the podcast Making Each Day Matter, available on iTunes. Together today with my co-hostess, Carrie Butler, owner of the Emergency Cafe, an LA-based <laughs> consulting firm for emergency preparedness, which is so important right now. She's also a Ho'oponopono forgiveness coach, if you're needing any help on that. And I am delighted to introduce our guest this morning, Robert Kandel, who is a life coach, a writer, a teacher, and a lecturer. He has been hailed as part football coach, part loving dad, and part slightly crazed drill sergeant. Robert Kandel has spent the last 16 years helping people re-energize their lives and build better relationships through more honest and authentic connections. He has built a successful consulting firm in San Francisco, and then he took his business, Acumen, and co-founded One Case in 2004 with Nicole Daydome. Taking on the challenging task of bringing conscious sexuality to the mainstream market, Robert built the company from scratch to a high seven-figure international corporation. He left. One case in 2014 to start his own consulting firm, helping small businesses become marketable and profitable. He is also an accomplished teacher, coach, lecturer, brings his enthusiasm to his weekly podcast, Tough Love, on subjects around relationships, intimacy, communication, and gender dynamics. And I'm proud to say, Robert, besides our resident angel reader, Alex Levy, you are our first male guest on the show. So welcome this morning wow. to the Cafe. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, honored. I'm honored for the role. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry if this is sounding muffled. I did get a text that's saying that. I don't know. It could just be that I'm in a rainy environment here in Northern California, and sometimes we're a little bit shoddy. So I, I apologize for that if it sounds if the sound is off. Uh, I wanted to dive right into conversation today because, you know, there's never been a time more in our society where men are for the very first time, well, maybe not the very first time, but really like the, the energy has shifted where if you were in an environment where you were being harassed or harassed at work, then you were walking on eggshells. And now what I'm witnessing is that men are having to sort of like really dance around, you know, because most of the men out there are honest, awesome guys. And so they're also still having to be very cautious. And I was just wondering, like, mm-hmm. what is it like to be a man in, in this environment today, which was with the all the uh, times up and me too and everything that's been going on. Well, it's been, it's been challenging for a while. And I think this is just another added layer. It's in my opinion and talking to men, uh, it's a, it's a very interesting paradox on some level, men enjoy the privilege and the power. We walk in the world with less fear. We, we feel empowered at the same time. We've, felt a little lost when it comes in terms to relationships and intimacy and this very changing world we're living in, in terms of uh, man-woman dynamics. And then this Me Too situation has really uh, thrown up a lot of challenges and fear into men because um, men aren't aware of their impact on women, mostly. And they're thinking they're just being guys, they're just being funny, they're just, you know, they're just being who they are, and they don't know the detrimental effects. Women haven't told them the truth about it. And now with the Me Too, there's a day of reckoning where there's a very strong awareness of their behaviors and the negative impact it's having. 
Well, okay, so wait. So, Robert, you said that men are not aware of how women, rea- like how they react to women or how women react to them. Like they're, they kind of like just do their own thing. That's such a, that's such a smart thing to say. Like I get mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like when you put it in that, yeah. in that way. So talk about that a little bit. Well, you think about the concept of the cat call, which I've done a lot of research and reading on, and let's just call that the lower, the lower end of the spectrum in terms of, of harassment that's out there. And it's prevalent. It happens all the time. And it happens sometimes overtly in terms of uh, a man saying, hey, baby, hey, baby, to a look or even a feeling. So men think it's okay to do that. They think in some countries it's totally accepted, but in America it's not. And so men will say, hey, baby, baby, and a woman will uh, just walk away. And the man will be like, oh, she's not interested, she's cold. He'll some other derogatory remark because women right, don't right. have the permission to reflect back of how negative it feels. And so there's been these really bad habits in society where men keep doing what they're doing. Women in the past have not reflected back then how painful, annoying, uh, dangerous, scary, damaging, harmful, tr- you know, trauma increasing it has. And then this um, lack of knowledge does not pass back and forth and it keeps going and the cycle continues, continued really until Me Too. Yeah, absolutely. So you, yeah. So do you, Go ahead, Carrie. Do you feel that that's kind of like under the whole auspice of, you know, how men and women communicate differently? You know, it's like men feel like... Like, in a way, it's like that cat call. If you want to just take it as the cat call, you know, it's like they're just letting us know, hey, you know, like you're cute or you're hot or whatever. And we as women are like, ew, like that's just not cool. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so, so like, so, yeah. I was just, like, I was thinking, like, so how do we change that? Or, like, what, you know, what do we do? Like, do, do you, like, stop at that moment and walk over to the construction area and go, hey, like, that's really awesome that you, like, paid me a compliment, but I just need to let you know, like, you know, that, you know, doesn't make me feel good or something. And I'm being totally serious about it. Like, how, you know, where do we start? Like, how does that happen? Wow, great question. In my opinion, we could, that's a great step, but that's not really – that's hitting the smoke, not the fire. In my mm-hmm. opinion, I wrote an essay around this in Medium um, that was pretty controversial. The, the underneath men's privilege is both fear and desire. And I'll speak the, about the desire first. So men don't know how to communicate their desire. They see an attractive women. We've been trained to notice and get turned on by and excited by the visual of a woman. It rises inside our body. We then don't know how to handle it. And instead of holding it and feeling it and seeing it, we tend to vomit it. We tend to throw it at the woman like a hot potato because we have not been taught how to handle our desire. And then we do inappropriate things just because we don't have any education what to do with that desire. The fear piece is that we um, are desperately afraid of not being a man, of not uh, hitting some standard, some 
uh, elucidatory, ever-changing standard of what it means to be a man. And so we, our friends look at us and, and we're like, I don't know if you're a man or we don't, we don't talk about it. And so out of a fear, we want to prove our manhood often by getting a woman because the woman provides the external validation of our success. And we think this is the methodology to get a woman. Like, I don't know how many catcalls in the history of, of the world, especially in America, has, have ended up with uh, a date. <laughs> I think very little in the end result, <laughs> but we don't know what to do. <laughs> I think I'm like sitting here going, drop the mic, we're done, because I, that was mm-hmm. so well spoken, what you just said. And, you know, I've had, in being a woman who, A, left I was harassed at work to the point where I, when I finally spoke up, I was fired and had a very traumatic mm-hmm. experience. And so I wasn't sexually harassed. I was verbally harassed. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the component that the Me Too had, but I did have the aftermath PTSD from it. And, mm-hmm. But when this whole movement started, I, you know, I, I'm a person who always looks at both sides of the story. And I thought, you know, I was raised with four boys. Four boys are the men that you just described. They were vomiting their stuff out all day long, you know, and I always heard about, you know, the male gender parts. And I always heard about because I was in the environment with four boys and a dad who liked to joke and talk about it. And this is back in the 60s and 70s when that was okay. And Marilyn Monroe and Raquel Welch were okay to look at and, you know, say whatever you want. They were almost raised that women were you know, icons. And mm-hmm. so now I look at today's, today's way and women are warriors and women are activists and women are speaking up in that it's not a sexual role. And I, you know, so I was thinking about that. There are two sides to this because the men that are now having some aftermath for their behavior were raised in the environment that it was perfectly acceptable to be that way. And women who were in situations like me perfectly accepted it until it wasn't okay anymore, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. And you have to understand the world has significantly, significantly changed in the last 30 years. Look at the pay gender gap that was uh, in in 1980s was 64 cents for women compared to men. For every dollar a man made, a woman made 64 cents. Now, millennial women entering the workforce are at 93 cents to every dollar. Not all women, to be really clear. This is millennial women entering the workforce is at 93 cents. Uh, women college educations are now getting 60, 63 to 64% of all degrees. And in 30 years ago, it was flipped. It was men getting 60 mm-hmm. degrees. Um, you know, people are getting married later. The average age, I think, is 28 and 27 now for men and women getting married. Back 30 years ago, it was close to the early 20s. Um, right. People having children. It's so there's a huge dynamic. And the main thing is, is because women are not dependent on men to get a home or survive, they now have mm-hmm. choice. In the choice, they're choosing differently. Women are evolving and learning and handling it. And men have not done the work to evolve. So they're getting left behind, which has them more angry, feeling more abandoned, and then tends to be more dangerous because they're upset and they don't know who to be upset towards. Wow. Fascinating. Wow. So, so what do we do? 
how do we, how do we, so it sounds like, so how do we bring the scales even again? Like, you know, like, it's, a, it, it almost like in my mind, it's like, I mean, I remember when I would do like workshops, you know, and, and self-awareness workshops and stuff when I was younger and, you know, we would be crying on the floor and, you know, daddy didn't love me kind of thing as far as a woman mm-hmm. goes. But now it seems mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's some, you know, the like the men, it's like the women, we're being educated or, or we're coming into our own, but men are now like, floundering you know like a fish out of water going great like now what you know so so how do we how do we put the men back in the water with the women how do we all swim mm-hmm. together oh god what a great question there's two pieces and let's just call them different ends of the spectrum there's the micro level and at the micro level it's really just giving men permission to overtly have feelings um that is the first and foremost, because men have the double-edged sword, the double whammy of, I have all these feelings I don't know how to, to handle, and B, I'm not allowed to express them. I'm not permitted to cry. I'm not permitted to be scared. I'm not permitted. There's very small ranges where men can cry, sporting events, a death of a, of a family member, uh, a breakup or a divorce, but that's really, there's a very small spectrum. Um, there's a great documentary, The Mask We Live In, uh, which is about young boys and how we're taught to shut down our emotions. Uh, Lewis Ho's book, um, The Mask of Masculinity, is a good example of it. Uh, one of the best books I'm reading now is called A Man Interrupted, about the effect on young boys. So there's a micro level of just allowing men to have feelings. So if you want to, uh, at, with your partner or with a friend or with a brother, just start the dialogue in terms of, and don't say, I, I want to give you a space to cry, because you know, he'll be confused by that. Just say, like, listen, I, I get the idea that maybe I haven't created the space for you to have all your emotions, your fear, your desires. And so I want to increase the container for you to allow those parts of yourself to come out. Because most people, and especially most men, withhold out of fear of being judged. And at the micro level... Just start to say, it's okay, I'm interested in who you are, all of you, which might bring up stuff for the person asking, like fear. But the point is, is give space for them to be fully who they are. Right, because, yeah, it's like, you know, little boy, you know, like you can't cry. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to show emotion because then that speaks to you maybe being weak, you know, Mm -hmm. right? And men are, quote, unquote, supposed to be strong and... And um, I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and so let me ask you this. So, you know, with the whole, like, spiritual revolution that's happening and men, like, you know, finding spirituality, like, do you feel like that that is part of it as well? Or do you, you know, not really, like, you know, because the world is changing. I feel like the universe is changing as well in just, like, the, the message that we are putting out there. Or is that just like a little Cosmo window of it, like a tiny bit? Mm-hmm. Well, there's two sides of it. Um, you know, I'm, we're, I'm from, we're both all from California, which is its own little microcosm. And I, I went through <laughs> my transformation when I lived in Northern California. You know, I was 28 years old, numb and dumb, yuppie, five-bedroom house in San Francisco, corporate job, the whole thing. And then I had to sketch my life because I went to a workshop and got my ass kicked, basically. 
Um, so California has its own microcosm, but it's what's actually happening and a lot of the studies are showing is actually men are tending to give up. And there's actually mm-hmm. men's movements that are basically squaring off relationships. Uh, more men are living at home with their parents. There's a movement away from relationship into online gaming and porn. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a study done in Japan that basically said that men, all these men are virgins. They're much more interested in gaming and sex dolls than they are in relating to a woman. There's actually an apathy that's happening in which I think the Me Too is going to increase on some level. Men are just like, I'm just going to hang out with my bros and yeah. not face the big mountain of what it's going to take for a man to change. Yeah. Wow, I really see that. I, I understand exactly that. And so that it's just a moment of pause on that because it has shifted it's still not like Carrie, like you were saying, an even playing field. Like you look at the scales going up and down, and there's no way that this has evened out with the movement either. So I think that's an interesting thing. I love what you said, and I just wanted to, you know, tweetable moment, Oprah tweetable moment. That just sketched my life. Like how. Mm-hmm cool is it to describe that and when you are describing etch a sketch in your life what i think what i interpret that is like you just stopped and recreated the game and maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you left that corporate job and etch a sketch to where you are now which is a super you know successful coach life coach helping other Mm -hmm. people I was 28 years old. There's two, there's two stories, and I'll go over them quickly, and if you want more details, I love let me know. The first stories. one. This is great. Uh, the first is, That's awesome. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, the first, I was 28 years old, and I went to Burning Man for the first time. I went to make my wife at the time, my first wife, happy, and I didn't do it for me. I did it for her because she really wanted uh-huh. to go, and then I drove up. It was 1998. It wasn't as popular as it is now. It's actually much smaller. A mere 20,000 people. But I got out of the car, <laughs> I stood outside, and then the drums were in the distance, and there was a little electronica, and this soft breeze went off the desert. And this thought came to me that I was home. I was like, what? I am a yuppie. I, I don't belong here. These are for the massage therapists and those hippies and those other people. Part of me, to talk about the hidden part, a part of me woke up and said, no, you're part of this. And so that was an epic burning man for me because I got out of my yuppie, you know, 70 hour per week Mm -hmm. corporate job lifestyle and saw that there was Mm -hmm. a different part. The Mm -hmm. second story was at my first workshop on sexuality. Um, We were doing introductions and I did my introduction and I thought I nailed it. I thought I was smart. I thought I wouldn't clap. I thought the teacher would invite me up there to, to speak, sit with him and teach with him. And instead he said, hey, do you know your wife's crying? And my wife was sitting right next to me, you know, six inches a foot away from me, and I was so in my own world, I had no idea how chauvinistic and misogynistic my words and, my, and the teacher, uh, Erwan Devon of Devon, Erwan Devon Teaching, still works in San Francisco, amazing guy. Uh, basically just looked at me for 15 seconds and then said, who's next? And let me sit in the shame of how unaware I was. And that was a life changer because I could have stood up, picked over my shoulder, went back to my man cave, 
The second was the one I picked was, okay, let's learn. Let's see. And that was a total life changer right in those two, that moment. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. I just love those life-changing moments like that. And, and it really what that is is facing those truest parts of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how transformation happens. Uh, and so on, just kind of moving on, um, talk to me about what One Taste was. I, I want to know a little bit more of uh, One Taste. One Taste uh, still is in existence. Uh, started in 2004. Myself and a woman named Nicole Daydone started it. The idea was to bring orgasm into the world conversation. Uh, she had, Nicole is pretty much the most brilliant person I've ever met in my entire life, a uh, writer and researcher <laughs> and lecturer, and uh, she's truly amazing and gifted. And she had insight into this way where people, mostly women, were really disconnected from their sexuality. So like you could go to a physical therapist to get your physical um, parts or a ment- uh, therapist for your mental or a priest for your spiritual, we wanted to create a space where people could explore without shame, with the lights on, around sexuality and orgasm. And it was, for me, uh, it was a 10-year epic journey of how to bring conscious and deliberate sexuality into the world conversation where people could honestly talk about their desires around sexuality. And in the center of it was a practice called orgasmic meditation, also known as oming, which was a conscious 15-minute practice between two people where there's a stroker and a strokee about how to create the largest and most sensational orgasm without a goal, <laughs> without the goal of climax. And yeah, the practice of homing woke me up and got me to feel, but also became there's a whole technology that rose around it. And that's one taste. So now it's international uh, it's a, it, when it was an eight-figure business, I think it was a $12 million in, in listed in the top 500 of Inc.com survey in 2015 and still going. Wow. I left 2014, uh, but it's really – it was an amazing ride. You know, it's, uh, we have a life coach, Carrie and I, that we did some work with, Nancy Levin, and she actually writes oh, about it in her book. Yeah, yeah. she uh, – yeah, that was I, my I first – yeah, see, and as you were talking, I was like, and I know I can say that on air because it's out in her book. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I always, when I was writing my book, I was like, if she can write about that, I can write about anything. So I just, when you were talking, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the connection. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And one more thing I'm going to lead right into that is that your expertise lies in superior communication and how to tell your partner the truth. And if anyone was watching the Golden Globes the other night, you know, Oprah's truth, basically the truth is what? is rising up into your life and being who you are is how you make change. So how do you tell your partner the truth? How, are, how do you communicate when one person doesn't want to hear what the other person has to say? You know, like, or one person's, like, blocked because they're so in their stuff. How do you break down those walls and just have that honest conversation with your spouse or partner or friend or child? I have several processes around this. Um, and... So let me just say, if one partner doesn't want to listen, there's nothing you can do. There's just nothing you can do. It's like if one person, you you cannot get that person to listen if they're not open to it. And so if your partner won't listen and you have something to say, you have to be willing to increase the intensity of the pain of them not listening. 
which could mean leaving. We're so afraid to pull the cord, to pull the pin, that we sit in mediocre, mediocre relationships. Mm-hmm. And there's, mm-hmm. that's both people's fault. I mean, I'm sorry. I know there's circumstances, uh, mothers with multiple kids and no money. I mean, I know there's circumstances where we're actually imprisoned in relationships. But mm-hmm. I think most of them, there is always an option. So if your partner won't listen and you're not willing to do what it takes for them to get to listen, then that's on both of you. That's one side. The second side is you need to create the environment where there's a sense of approval around the truth. And what I mean by that is I approve of you as a person and there's a part of you that isn't working for me. It's like when you have a computer with a virus, you don't throw away the computer, you attack the virus, right? Mm -hmm. But most people are so unwilling to tell the truth that by the time they do tell the truth, they vomit it out with disapproval. And Mm -hmm. communication Mm -hmm. is the content of the words, the intonation of your voice, and the intention behind it. And if you're imbuing your communication with disapproval, the chances of that succeeding, that communication landing, decreases because all they're going to hear Even if your words are sweet, they're going to feel the disapproval and your communication won't land. So it's like learning. So we we just have to start over. It seems like we have to start over. Like we just, you know, but but Robert, there has to be like a willingness there too, right? Because like you were saying before, like if somebody just doesn't want to hear you, then that's on both of you, you know, right? So, So both partners have to be willing to go through the fear, go through the pain, go through whatever it is to get to the other side, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, like this is not about breaking up or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like when you were talking, the, the word that just kept popping into my head was fear. You know, it's like everybody's mm-hmm. just so scared to tell the truth because then that, you know, might mean that they're not, good enough or, you know, and that there's just so much judgment and so much fear. And so it's really all about, or I mean, not really all about, but like one of the pieces of it sounds like it's about, you know, just, just getting to the down deep to the authenticness of like love. And it's just like, I love you, but this is like, this doesn't work for me or whatever. Right. I mean, it's, but it's a long journey. Like we have to be willing to go through that journey. And telling the truth brings, telling the truth you know, we were talking about the fear of telling the truth is when you tell the truth, you are inspiring change because once you're owning what's true for you. And like I've talked about this a million times, you don't get to unring the bell. And when you don't get mm-hmm. to unring the bell, change happens. So I really think that, uh, that that's part of the fear is that, you know, for me in my life, many times when I've known something had to change, it's, you know, you kind of even think about it for a few days. Do I really want to go here and make this change? Because once I expose it, it's exposed. And mm-hmm. uh, so anyways, and you, you know, and you said, we, we talked about in the bio is that you have a, po- a sort of a process on how to create structures to have a more honest relationship. So maybe you could lend some of those tips to us today. Great. I have one that's interesting and successful. So let's <laughs> say person A has something they want to tell person B, partner A to partner B. So the first process of partner A like you said, is just to sit with the truth for them to get right with it. 
for them to really explore all the nuances of that uh, before they go to partner B. Because if partner A goes with a half-baked idea, partner B is going to hear the confusion and the nervousness and not the idea. So that's the first step. The second step is partner A asks partner B for a time where we can sit down and talk about something. And this might be nerve-wracking in itself, like what's it going to mean? But no cell phones, get a babysitter to the kids, turn the television off, no music, set up an hour, really even schedule time. Rather than the flyby conversations we tend to have, really set the container for truth. Here's the one that's unexpected. Partner A, at the beginning of the conversation, I recommend that they apologize to partner B and apologize for withholding this truth. Honey, I've been thinking about this for uh, six months, and the reason I haven't told you is really because I'm afraid of your reaction. I'm afraid of uh, your judgment. I'm afraid of you telling your parents and their judgment. There's, there's a, My motivation for not telling you this is A, B, and C, but I want you to know that I apologize that I withheld this from you because I know it's created a little chasm, at least on my side, between you, and I'm sorry I just hadn't had the courage to do it. Then partner A reveals the truth. And you want to reveal the truth with as much brevity and intensity and honesty as possible. Do not sugarcoat it. We've got the setup now. Really just lay it out 100%. Make it the pure, you know, Colombian coffee. You know, like make it the best cup of, like the strongest possible. Just speak it as, in a shorter period of time and then shut up. Then let partner B have their feelings. Do not mm-hmm. try to fix it. Do not try to manipulate them into a direction. Just let them have their feelings. This part can take an hour in itself, a day, a week, a month. It doesn't matter. Let them have their right. feelings. Hopefully partner B will stay and engage in conversation. And even if they get mad, just hold the container. Let them have their feelings. And then hopefully they'll get into a dialogue around it which will increase the intimacy between the two of you. And then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is by far the most powerful way to do it. Now, if you get stuck and you can do this whole thing with a therapist or a coach, but you can have a third person there to kind of moderate, but just stay connected during the conversation after the truth has been told so you can stay uh, deeply connected. I totally love that. And, you know, <clears throat> I really enjoy uh, when and reinforce that um, letting people have their feelings. Because I, I learned in my, in my relationships that when I do that and I just sort of uh, say, hey, I need to meet them at their level right now because this is big for them, and I turn on my observer hat, and just sort of observe where they're coming from, observe their feelings, and don't try to fix it for them, but just acknowledge that I've heard it, and then I take my own process time to sit with what they've given me. It does mm-hmm. work a lot better. So I really appreciated the reinforcement mm-hmm. on that. And, you know, and, then, and so moving into romance in the 21st century, which is such a big thing for people. I have been in a relationship for 14 years, so I have no idea about Match.com and all those things out there. But in a relationship, I, I would feel that you'd still 
keeping the romance going. Like there has to be a date night. There has, like you were saying, set that time aside for each other because we're so busy. But I'm going to let Carrie take the lead on on her question, but I just wanted to dive into when you're talking about this, it's like for both, for the couples and for the single person. Carrie? I'm just, yeah, no, I can just like... (laughs) We could have a four-hour show on this. I'm so digging this conversation. Um, uh, So, okay, Robert. So here's my thing. So I'm going to be 58 in a couple of weeks, and Mm -hmm. I feel really young at heart. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. but, you know, like I look at my, my kids or I look at, like, you know, their friends and, you know, they're swiping left. It's like I feel like there's, for each decade, there's different rules about what to do like in your 20s you know it's like it's all about tinder and you know but then you're like no you can go on to you know whatever there's there's appropriate age appropriate dating for your 50s but then I hear like you know oh god all men are you know like it's just you're you're gonna find really horrible dates I'm just like I'm throwing up my hands like I just want somebody to knock on my door so in the 21st century what do we do is it different is it like you know are the rules different how do we do it well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's, it is messed up out there. It's it's mm. it's messed up. There's no other way to put it. There's the Tinder revolution that's been around. I think Tinder came out in 2010. There's something like 100 million downloads of Tinder. It is by far how people are relating. What's happened is that people are having more quantity of relationships and less quality of relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have larger numbers of friends, but uh, less and less in-person interactions. So the the challenge is also that older men are looking to younger women. This has been going on forever, but with the uh, the options of electronic connection, it's actually more easy. It's easier for an older man to find her younger women. So the, the, the 50, 40s, 50s, and 60s are still looking at the 20s and 30s when it comes down to it. And wow. uh, Yeah, so it really That's is great. heading in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the best app, uh, Match.com, uh, is not very, as popular as it was. Uh, that was more in the 90s and 00s. Uh, the, what I recommend for women when and they ask is an app called Bumble, uh, the power of Bumble is that uh, women get to choose first. And the quality of men, I've been told, you know, I haven't, I've been in a relationship for three years or going on three years at this point, so I don't really know. But uh, I've been told that Bumble is, is by far the highest quality of men because women get to pick, oh, I'd like to start a conversation with that guy. Then the guy has something like 24 hours to respond. So I'm a fan of the Bumble because it really sets the playing field solid for women. Um, that's that's the first thing. Uh, I still am believer in in-person relating, which is the thing I recommend the most over the apps. Uh, I think Meetup is the coolest thing that's ever happened uh, in terms of how to meet people. And so when I coach people who are say I can't meet anyone, I just have them go to Meetups, not to meet someone per se but to get out of their phone and get out of their isolation and get into connection with human beings, because still the best way I think to meet someone is in person or a friend of a friend or, Oh my God, you know, you'd love this guy. 
I still am a strong believer in that aspect. So <laughs> I recommend, you know, go Me to meetup. <laughs> yeah, go to meetup, pick, you know, five or six meetups per month that, you know, could be interesting, and just go. You know, get off the couch, get away from Netflix, get away from the takeout, and go and interact with human beings and go just for the goal for connection because connection breeds connection, and then I think connection breeds relationship. Mm. I I just wanted to say, what is a meetup? <laughs> oh, thank you. Sorry. I, I, so <laughs> this is that girl that's been in a relationship for 40 years. Yeah. Meetups are yeah. cool. Yeah. Meetup uh, must have been around at least 10 years at this point. Basically, <laughs> you can organize a group on any topic, uh, foreign films, cooking, um, cryptocurrency, <laughs> dating. I mean, there's it depends on what city you I live can. in, but there's... Hike, yeah, outdoor hiking, mo- you know, movies. Let's meet on uh, board in Los Angeles. There's a group I think called that. So sexuality. There's all these groups, and so Got you're it. set up to meet like-minded people. Uh, mm-hmm. So you start a meetup. You have a meetup once a month, or once every two months, or every week, and then you go and start to meet the same people. So it's it's a really great way to meet like-minded people in the topic you're interested in. And, and have that connection because I agree with you. Like it's really, I mean, I like I said, I've never done the online dating, but I couldn't even imagine that if you know suddenly I was single that I wouldn't just meet the guy, the cable guy comes to my door, and I'm like, you're it, you know. And and how a person, you know, like I have a friend who lost her husband, and it's like, how does mm. she? She's like, I don't even know what to do. I can't even think I'll ever date again. And, you know, my grandmother mm-hmm. lost her husband when she was 55. She did not ever date again. But mm-hmm. she lived 50 more years. But it's like, so how, uh, if you're the person who has never done this, I guess you just have to dive in because it, it's not yeah. going to be the cable guy anymore. It's just, yeah. you know, the cable guy's more interested in his gaming. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. Uh, get, you know, talk to your friends, get support. It's like anything else. You want to you run a marathon, you know, build a support team. If you want to start painting, just get people to say, yeah, do it. So, you know, it's based on our own self, our own willpower. It's very difficult to change. And so build your support team. Ask for help. Um, I once felt really out of shape, and so I put on Facebook, I'm starting a 30-day yoga challenge. I'm going to do yoga every day for 30 days. And so every day I posted you know, I'm gone. Oh, it was horrible. It was great. It was sweaty. It was blah, blah, blah. And then like day 17, it was five o'clock and my friend's like, Hey Rob, you know, you haven't gone to yoga yet. I'm like, I'm going to an eight o'clock class. Get off my back. (laughs) The point is like, use your friends to help you go in the direction that you desire. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I, before we go any further, I want to make sure I get your information out there where people can find you. You have a new website coming, www.robertcandel.com, and that's spelled R-O-B-E-R-T-K-A-N-D-E-L-L. You also mm-hmm. have a podcast, which I'm assume is on iTunes, but if I'm wrong, let me know, called Tough Love, and I am a podcast junkie, so you are absolutely being added to my list. And, mm-hmm. let's t- and then you have a book coming out, and being an author, I'm just always excited to talk to new authors. Your first book is coming out. It's called Unhidden, and let's talk about the book and where they can pre-order and all that stuff. 
Thank you so much. Um, the book is called Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them, which is most people. And the book slated to come out October 15th. I am self-publishing. Uh, I plan awesome. to have free sales available in March, uh, and you can find that at mm-hmm. robertandell.com. I'm also going to come out with a product that helps you implement the book before the book comes out to mm-hmm. kind of come up with practices mm-hmm. and ideas, which will include a book, mm. and that should be out in June or July. So everything can be found at robertcandell.com. Um, so I'm going to put uh, website up in the next couple of weeks. Until then, uh, you can go, robertcandell.com will forward to Tough Love, uh, toughlove.live, that's T-U-F-F, love.live, and you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and other mediums. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is uh, going to be fun, and I would love to have you back on our show uh, in the fall when your book comes out. And Oh, I love that. I'm Thank you. always excited to talk to new authors, especially so I'm a self-published author. I, I don't think there's anything different about a self-published than, uh, than a published, except for you have somebody who's helping you market your book just a little bit to the right people. But I think that uh, mm-hmm. we all have a – so many people, so many authors, so many writers have stories to tell, can't always get out there into the publishing. So I really appreciate the person who puts the work in and self-publishes their book. We've had a lot of self-published authors on the show. Uh, so, wow, I just don't even know where to go next. Like, I'm so excited that you came on the show. I, I think the, if I had any other question, um, it would be, you know, we t- we're talking about the whole dating thing. And you said in, your, in our bio, we talked about what is the effect of the swipe right. So what is the effect that this is happy, having on the dating world? Well, it's interesting because I've done a lot of thinking and researching that there's actually a connection between uh, Tinder and porn. So there's an amazing audio book out there called The Butterfly Effect by John Ronson which basically mm-hmm. talks about the effect of free pornography that was really created by one guy and all the butterfly effect it's had. And mm-hmm. what's happened is that free porn, the novelty and the hunting aspect of it, has significantly and toxically affected the male psyche. I'm not saying porn is bad at all. I'm mm-hmm. saying the overuse mm-hmm. of porn is bad, really bad. There's a mm-hmm. book I'm reading now called Your Brain on Porn and the Biological mm-hmm. Impact, what has happened. Because men like to hunt. We like novelty. We like possibility. We like change. And the same thing is with tender and swiping left and swiping right. And so we like the hunting aspect of it. And we want to see how many points we can get on the board or how many dates or how many likes we get on Facebook or Instagram or how many people, are, yeah. how many women are also swiping right. And so it's mm-hmm. moved from meeting you and going deep with you, trying things out with a single woman in a face-to-face environment. It's now switched to this level of hunting that really activates a part of man's brain that's a biological hit. So uh, there's a deep connection. So the effect is, is that we we won't, we hit a road bump and we're like, okay, well, I might as well just ditch on this road bump and I'll pull out my phone and I can have five to 10 more possibilities within an hour, you know, compared to like, okay, let's work this out. There's a, there's a decrease in the, in the willingness to actually commit and go through the hard times because of the possibility of Tinder, the bigger and better deal that's one swipe away. Yeah. 
Wow, I am uh, I'm in awe of this conversation. I want to thank you so much, Robert, for coming on the show and sharing this sort of other side of the story for for men because I think that uh, it's it's going to be a tough year for men this year, but I think we're going to get through it. And I think that we're raising better sons, and I think that has a lot to do with it. I have two sons, and I was thinking about when you were talking earlier about you know some families were raised with like a stoic father and an emotional mom and that was sort of me although my children weren't raised in the same household but they had to go to their dads who was really stoic and strong and then I was kind of an emotional person I still am an emotional person but I've noticed that the balance for them and that my men uh, my sons are very masculine but they also are very affectionate and loving and give roses and understand how to treat women and and so I think that I did a good job in that side and they also got the other side of where they get to be tough so I was thinking about when you were talking about that and how men you know were really told not to cry and I just think that now they're going to be given permission to also own their truth and be themselves and talk out loud and be more vocal about what their truth is if you agree with that and that it's going to take some time this year to sort of put all those pieces together. But I think when we, if we have this conversation a year from now, we're going to be like, wow, it's really balanced out more, if you agree with that. Mm-hmm. I totally do. And, and fathers play a huge role in this. Um, I, I do want to recommend a book that's wowing me. It's a book called Man Interrupted. The author is uh, Philip Zimbardo. And uh, his co-writers are Nikita Kombaloma, something like that. Uh, it's a very factual, research-driven book that can open your eyes a lot about what's going on for young men. Educate yourself, uh, read it, listen to it, look at it, and you can make strides against the trends that are happening out there to raise mm-hmm. good sons and solid sons and sons in touch with their femininity and all different parts, there, there is an opportunity for us to use the wake-up call of Me Too, the wake-up call of these changes, and we can turn the tide. It is possible, and I truly believe that is possible. Mm-hmm. Mm, and on that note, yeah, I agree. So uh, this show will be available on iTunes later this afternoon, and uh, it, it turns into a podcast, and I will send you the information. Uh to all of our listeners, I know you enjoyed this show. And remember that you can find him at the Tough Love Podcast or www.robertkindell.com. And, Robert, such a delight. I look forward to having you back when your book is published. And good luck. And who knows, maybe we'll bump into you in L.A. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robert. My pleasure. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Right, bye-bye. bye-bye. Take care. Was that just not amazing? It was amazing. I'm so grateful for, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to the talent squad, Kelly Glover, for uh, connecting Robert with us and our show. And they kind of reached out to us. And we hadn't had a male on the show before. And I think it was really such a great conversation. This is where we're going. This is where the world's leading, where the world is, you know, with the whole uh, online dating. And, um, I'm just like, wow, I'm loud. Yeah, I I love, like, at the end when he said, you know, like, like it's like this Me Too movement, it's like we all have an opportunity, you know, like 
men have an opportunity to like say, Hey, wait a minute. Like we're not all bad or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and like, I think that there's like, I think that this me too movement can go two ways. You know what I mean? Like it can be like women, you know, walking around with, you know, armor on and going, we're powerful. But I also feel like there's an opportunity for men to really see, like, it can, like, not everybody is like, you know, certain people that are are out there in the world. And maybe they'll want to, you know, step up a little and, say hey like I want to change or I want to be better and then women can you know like I mean I just like I let's meet in the middle let's meet in the middle and and you know I am a firm believer that every individual is accountable for their own individual thing male female black white orange green it doesn't matter Um, we're all responsible for our own actions and our whether we're a man or a woman and so I'm a firm believer in always giving somebody a second chance Um, And I think that, you know, the people that are having any kind of fallout from this movement, um, most of them said, yeah, that was me. And I think that's their first step towards healing and becoming, you know, some sort of a movement for the change. So moving into Wayne Dyer Wednesday, uh, I'm so excited because I found the coolest quote to go with our show. And I will read it now. And it says, this year. I will remember that people are more important than things. I love him. Oh, I know. I and I was like, that's so right. Because, you know, like he was talking about the online gaming and the porn and the all, all that stuff. It's like, wait a minute, put your phone down and go hug your wife. <laughs> Don't sit right. there on your computer or or, or the gaming, you know, where you just your mind is endless. And, and same with women who are too busy, you know, watching their Netflix bit series. Like, turn the TV on pause and hug your man or your child. Let's start relating. She just brought. Let's some. remember. Yeah. Let's remember that people are more important than things. She just brought so much to light. Um, okay. So I would just like to say that I'm super excited because today is Wednesday. Thursday, Friday. Okay, in three days, I am going to be sitting in a room with Abraham. And I, I am out of my freaking mind about it. So excited for that. I'm I know like you're going to get lost. I'm like a little seat. kid. Oh, I'm like, you're going to get lost. Uh, yeah, I am. Second row, aisle seat. Yeah. Wayne and I had a whole yeah, yeah, conversation yeah. about it. He, he asked He's me if I wanted to be there. first. I'm like, no. Okay, could you just, yeah, I just can't wait to know what the, how this evolves. That is going to be exciting. So on next, are we having a show next week? Oh, yes, we have Sarah Grace on next week. I'm excited about that. She's an amazing author and channeler. I love her, and so that's going to be fun. But we will talk about Abraham just a little bit in that show. Uh, so do you have a Wayne Dyer Wednesday, or do you have a card you want no, to pull? That's my card. I do. Okay. I'm working on my cards right now. And I am. Um, Me too. I'm shuffling. I'm using the uh, messages from your angels cards today. So, so am I. I up. swear to God, that's the deck I'm using right now. I'm not kidding. Wow. Okay. Can't so. I know. Um, all right. I pulled Opal. And Opal is says, your children are on earth and in heaven 
Your children on earth and in heaven are happy and well cared for by God and the angels. Oh, that's so sweet. Everybody is protected. I love that. Well, good. Can you please come and get this flu out of my house? Um, Harry, I know. Oh, my God. I know. Um, Okay, so let me, wow, this is so perfect for me. Your worries about your children have been received and prayers are in heaven, as prayers in heaven. We understand your concerns, so we surround the souls and bodies of your children with our loving care. This is a time for you to release your children to God and know that your creator is their true parent. God is pure love without judgment and anger. He could never abandon you or your children nor would he want to. Bam. You're protected. Thank you. That's a great card to get. Okay. Messages from my angels. This is Adoring Virtue, and this is uh, Oracle Cards, and it's so cool that we're both used the same deck. I picked Isaiah. It's a good time to give birth to new ideas and situations in your life. I am watching over you you and protecting you during these changes so if we're going through some changes change mm-hmm. is always rough sometimes we are afraid of change and this card is telling you that it's you're protected it says you are ripe with new possibilities and you feel an urgency to push into new territory beloved one your new and exciting life changes are inevitable there is no turning back instead of playing it safe you decide to move forward that is why I'm with you right now, giving you the extra courage and comfort that you need. So really just about, you know, if you're in the process of maybe changing a job or maybe moving to a different location or a relationship or anything to that effect, like just know that when we're going through these changes and we're evolving, there's always this layer of protection that can help you if, you're, if you start to get like anxiety or am I doing the right thing? Just ask for help. Ask for comfort in that moment and move through the situation because you wouldn't be making the change unless it was necessary. It wouldn't be happening unless it was for the best of your life. So that's it. We're getting texts about our show. I'm so excited. I know. We Shout out to Susan. Hi, Susan. <laughs> Hi, Susan. <laughs> we love you. you. <laughs> Look, I'm like, I'm um, all of a sudden I had a flash of Susan. LA with me, you and Dorena. I'm like, come on. Would that not be the <sighs> Well, yeah. When we go pick out my wedding dress. When you go, yeah. Was like that... everybody can just come and. Right? Yeah, because that's you're going to you join guys. Bumble. Well, I join know. Bumble and go to some meetups. <laughs> I guess I'm that's what I'm doing. You to I'm sending you to a meetup if I have to start it myself. <laughs> Oh, my God. I, you know, I, I've really been thinking about meetups. I mean, like a friend of mine does them and loves them, but I just, oh, my God, the whole thing just freaks me I out. Can, but I'm going to do it. Uh, okay. Because I've been telling you, you have to get off the couch. Like when he said that today, I'm like, uh, hello, you can't find the cable guy anymore. It's not going to happen. Unfortunately, he was like, yeah, I hate to break it to you, but no, you're not going to find the cable guy. I, I saw you sinking in your chair as he was speaking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. No, I just, okay. but here's the thing. Whatever. I'm just not even going to go there right now. Okay. Um, All of a sudden I'm thinking, we better remember we're on the radio still because you and I can go places in our talk <laughs> that would not be suitable for air. 
So I'm going to say goodbye to everybody right now. Uh, thank you to all our Best Life Cafe listeners. You have made 2017 such a fun year for me, and I'm going into 2018 just thinking, I don't know where this show's going to go, but we love the feedback, and we love it. We're really getting a lot of downloads. So share our message, subscribe to us on iTunes, review us on iTunes. We would love that support. Carrie, I will talk to you in just a little bit. Okay. And just um, to remind to, to you, just to remind everybody where you can um, find me is at Carrie Butler on Instagram, C-A-R-I, and um, on Facebook, and uh, you can also check out my website, emergencycafe.com, with all these floods and everything. You guys, we've got oh, to be prepared. Yeah. And Cass, oh, tell everybody where they can find night. you. Oh, I know, I, it's crazy. Side note, I thought about you last night. I'm watching the news going, you have got to be kidding. So shout out to all the people, again, in Southern California. I hate that we have to say our hearts are with you, but our hearts are with you especially up here watching that happen. You can find me, Kathy Anello, on all social media platforms, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, my Facebook author page, Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter, Making Each Day Matter podcast. And if you so desire, you can follow me on Snapchat. That's where the juice really happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> true. It's true. All right, you guys. Aloha. Y'all. Love it's you guys true. so much. Right, until next week. Bye-bye. All right.